good morning. I'm Erica Allen. It's so good to see you all here this morning. So I'm starting a new message series this morning, Don't Settle. And I just want to ask you all a quick question. Anybody here a Ted Lasso fan? Watch the show Ted Lasso. All right, we have a couple Ted Lasso fans. Awesome, awesome. I'm a, you, oh, Ted, another Ted Lasso fan there. Awesome. Um, so I just need to let y'all know that I've actually never watched Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, I don't have an Apple, I think it comes on Apple TV, right? I don't have an Apple TV subscription. So um, I have never watched it. But this week in preparation for the message, Don't Settle, I typed in the Google search bar, Don't Settle. And the very first thing that came up, I was typing to see where we got this term, like Don't Settle, like why do we say it? Where did we get it from? Where did it originate from? And the very first thing that pops up is a clip from season two, episode one of Ted Lasso. It's okay if you've never watched it because this is the only two minutes I've watched of it and it was one of the most convicting things that has ever happened to me in my entire life. So I'm just like innocently Googling, like what, where did the term don't settle come from? Like where did we get that from? This video clip of Ted Lasso pops up and this is what happens. This woman is on a double date. So she's like double dating. She's been sort of, I guess, seeing this guy. And she brings him to meet her friends who are also there. So they've like got a double date going on. Does that make sense? She comes out of the restaurant. She says goodbye to her date. He gets in the car and drives off. And she looks at her friends and goes, what do you think? And the girl was like, he's fine. He looks fine. He's a fine height. He financially is fine, like, he's fine. And she smiles and is like, that's exactly what I want, just someone that's fine. And the, the other guy that has been there double dating with him, like, kind of takes a breath in, and then he goes, why would you settle for fine? Don't you dare settle for fine. You deserve someone who makes you feel like you've been struck by lightning. Someone who makes you come alive. Don't you dare settle. Don't you dare settle for fine. And in that, I heard God say to me through the Holy Spirit, it's weird how God works sometimes, but through the Holy Spirit, I felt like God said, don't you dare settle for fine. If I could tell you how many people I've met with in this community, and I'm like, how's your family? They're fine. They're fine. How's your job? It's fine. It's fine. How's your day going? It's fine. Don't settle for fine. Don't you dare settle for fine. I, this really struck, struck me because I'd been studying 2 Timothy, um, the letter that I'm going to share with you guys over the next four weeks. And in this, this letter is written by Paul, who is about to die. So Paul started new churches. He had this amazing experience where he encountered Jesus after he was blind on the road to Damascus. It's this um, really incredible experience. If you want to read about it, you can find it in Acts chapter 9. But Paul has this really, really incredible, life-changing experience. And then he changes. He, he is a person who works for the government and is killing people who follow Jesus. And he changes everything about him and how he operates into being a person who starts to follow Jesus. He gives away his wealth. He gives away his power. He gives away everything that he has to follow Jesus and start a new movement because he knows, 
He knows what following the things of this world will do. It will eat you alive. Or worse, it'll keep you settling for fine. So Paul spends 30 years, 30 years, starting all these new churches all over the Middle East, helping people follow Jesus. And I need y'all to know, these are not like major hill song, let's be fun and, and just rock it out kind of churches. These are churches that are gathering around tables, breaking bread together and caring about their neighbors. They're like, how do we live out this, this, this commitment that God has asked us to have to care for the orphan? Those kids who have nobody, how do we care for them? Let's eat here together and dream about it and let's go do it. How do we care for widows, women who've lost all property and all money and all place in the community because their husbands have died? How do we care for the least of these in, the, in society? How do we care for those who are sick and hurting? And even better, y'all, how do we care for all of those people who just settled for fine? He started churches like this all over the place. It's wound him, he's wound up in prison because of it. He's like went through all this hardship because of it. And in prison, he is writing one of his last letters. So he writes all these letters to churches to tell them these are some, some ways you can deal with the problems. These are some things that you're doing really well. These are some things you could do better. He's writing all these things. And there's a guy that he meets, Timothy. He's like a son to him. Paul is like Timothy's mentor, and Paul is on his deathbed. He's about to die, and he knows that. And let me tell you something. Being a pastor for 11 years, I can tell you when people on their deathbed, they start to say things that are important. It's what they remember the most about their lives, and they share with you the things that are most important. And this whole letter, this whole letter of 2 Timothy can be summed up in two words. Don't settle. Don't settle. Timothy writes to, to Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, hold on guys, I can now read my Bible because I have some fancy reading glasses. Um, these are actually trifocals. Um, I have entered a new stage and season of life now. <laughs> um, it, 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear Son, I want you to know that these words that I'm going to share with you this morning were written to a man that was deeply loved and admired. And that is how God feels about you this morning. So I want you to listen to these words with that kind of ear and that kind of heart. To you, my dear children, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. If some of you are in need this morning of grace, of mercy, of peace, it is here with us from God the Father and through Christ Jesus this morning. This is what he says to him. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I'm constantly thinking about you and praying for you. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith. Things are ending here for me, but I've been reminded and comforted, Timothy, by your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This morning, I want us to know that the opposite of settling is raising. Some of you just got this worksheet. I want you to go ahead and pull it out. You are four times as likely to remember something if you write it down. I want us to stop settling and I want us to raise just like Jesus did. I want us to raise. Each of these letters this morning is going to mean something to us as we study this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. The very first thing that, Timothy, that Paul says to Timothy so you don't settle is to remember your roots. R is roots. Remember your roots. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you don't have a grandmother Lois and a mother Eunice that fanned the flame of your faith. Some of you are sitting here in this place with the memories of roots that were not cared for well. It doesn't matter. God has put somebody in your life who has helped to build the roots of your life. Who are those mentors in your life? Who are those people who've supported you? Who's the person who invited you here today? If you are ready to raise, if you are ready to stop settling, we have to pay attention to our roots. We have to pay attention to our roots. Who's the person who told us about Jesus first? When is that first moment in our faith? When did it first come alive? Maybe it was just a week ago or two weeks ago. God does amazing things in our roots that no one sees that no one knows about. And Paul says, if you want to stop settling, the first thing you have to do is pay attention to your roots. Are you paying attention too much to the things that everybody sees? Are you paying attention too much to your job, to the money you make, to the clothes you wear, to the way you look, to the, thing, to the people you hang out with? What are you spending all your time paying attention to? Paul says, God says through Paul to Timothy, if you are tired of settling, get some strong roots. Remember your roots. If you are ready to stop settling, if you are ready to raise, remember your roots. Remember your roots. Who are those people who fanned the flame of your faith? Who are those people who called out the gifts in your life, who said, you're not fine, stop settling for fine. You're a gifted musician, you're a gifted singer, you're a gifted teacher, you're gifted at, at organizing and leading things, you're a gifted parent, you are gifted. Who are those people who poured in to making sure your roots are strong? Because this is the promise of God. Jesus didn't do the work of God alone. Jesus did it everywhere he went. He called a team to be around him. Somebody somewhere has pulled into your roots. Who are those people? And how are you tending to the roots? Remember, nobody can really see the root system. We know when the tree's rotten. We know when the tomato plant's blown over because it doesn't have a strong enough root system and a storm knocks it out. We know what happens to the top. We don't always see the roots. But it's so important to care for them if you're tired of settling for fine. The first thing to do to stop settling for fine is pay attention to your roots. Pay attention to your roots. I want y'all to listen to this. This was super convicting for me this week. For God did not give us a spirit of timidness, of timidity. He did not make us timid, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. The Spirit of God gave us a dose of power, not to make us timid, not to make us keep timidly settling for fine, but gave us a dose 
of his spirit and his power for love and self-discipline. So many of us, so many of us settle for fine because we're going through life timid and unsure about, about ourselves. And God says, if you're ready to stop settling, if you're ready to stop settling for fine, live your life assured and confident. Jesus didn't go to the cross for you. Jesus didn't raise from the dead again for you and for us because he, he, doesn't, because he doesn't think you're worthy. You, you were worthy of a powerful love known to us through Jesus Christ. Start living your life assured and confident. I didn't say arrogant. I said assured and confident. God has given you gifts. Your roots are where they're supposed to be, and God has given you some gift in your life. Live into it assured and confident. Do not be timid. So many times when I'm getting ready to settle, I know it because I watch myself just like, maybe I can just dabble my toe into it. Maybe we could just stick this offer in for the bowling alley and see where it goes. No, I got on my knees and I prayed. We're not going to timidly step into a bowling alley. We're going to run there with a huge community that we've built over the summer. We aren't going to spend the summer as a placeholder waiting until the fall to launch. No, we're going to spend time building what it is that God has asked us to build. We're going to be assured and confident of what it is God is doing in us and through us here at Horizon and in our lives. It is time we stop settling and we live assured and confident. Live assured and confident. Verse 8, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. Who here is living with so much shame that all you do is settle? Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Don't be ashamed to testify what God's done for you. Have you made a mistake in life? Sure you have. I have too. And I am not ashamed of that anymore because this is what God can do. This is what God can do. That's what Paul says. Do not be ashamed of what God has done. Do not be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Paul says, don't be ashamed of your roots or where you came from. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. This is not a message series. Don't settle. It's not a message series about how you can work harder and hustle more and raise up to be better. This is not a message series about that. This is a message series about the power of God, and the power of God is never absent of suffering. It is never absent of suffering. So we're going to skip the I and go to the S. I'm going to get back to the I in just a second. It's just in the next verse, but Ray C didn't make a lot of sense. So <laughs> we have to, the S is suffering. Suffering is going to be a part of not settling. Suffering is going to be a part of not settling. He says, don't be ashamed of me, of the prisoner, be a part of the suffering that comes with it. There's going to be moments when you stop settling for fine and people around you have really liked that you've been settling for fine for a really long time and they're going to ask you to step down. And it is going to be hard to step up. There's going to be some suffering involved in taking that step. It is worth it. It is worth it because Paul says on his deathbed to Timothy, don't settle, raise up. Raise up. Do not be afraid of suffering. Jesus went to the cross and died, and they went to look in a tomb, and it was empty. It was just a hole in a rock because suffering will not have the last word. 
It is time for us to join in the power that God has given us through Jesus and to raise up. Suffering is going to be a part of it, but it will never be the end of it. Y'all hear me? Suffering may be a part of you raising up, but it will never, ever be the end of it. Verse 9. Joining me with the suffering of the gospel by the power of God. This is what God has done. He has saved us and called us to a holy and set-apart life. Not because of anything you have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. You don't have to settle for fine not because of anything you've done or not done, but because of God's purpose for you and God's grace to cover you and powerfully give you what you need to live in to that purpose. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who, listen, this is the power that lives in you if you believe in Jesus. Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and it's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am, yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for this day. The I is influence. If you are tired of settling, Use the power that God has given you to influence the people around you. Can prison stop you? Paul says, nope. Can suffering stop you? Paul says, nope. Not because of the power of Jesus Christ. That doesn't get to have the last word anymore. Stop settling for fine and raise up. Stop settling for fine and raise up. Influence. Who is someone that you need to influence today? So many times we settle for fine because we don't think we have anything to offer someone around us. God has someone in your life right now, right now, who God needs you to influence. Stop settling for fine and use the gifts God has given you to influence the people around you. Use the power of Christ to influence someone. If you're like, I don't know anybody to influence right now, get on your phone, text the word Horizon to 94,000, and we'll get you a mentee at Sheremonte Elementary School, a Title I elementary school right down here in, in South Tampa. There are kids who need to be influenced by the goodness of God, by people who tell them, stop settling for fine. It's really hard to settle for fine when you're telling other people to stop settling for fine. Ask me, I can tell you. This week I'm like, oh, that's fine. No, don't settle for fine anymore. God has given us a power to raise up, and it's time we start to use that. So influence for God's good. That's the I. Influence others for God's good. Verse 13. What you heard from me, Paul says, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The E is epicenter. The epicenter of your life should be on the gospel. The good deposit that God has already put in your life. Keep your life centered on the gospel. 
Don't ever forget the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning and your feet hit the floor. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and raising again. It's kind of hard to settle for fine when we know that the most powerful being in the whole world gave up everything for you and rose again above death and pain and suffering. It's kind of hard to live your life settling for fine when your feet hit the floor and that's what you realize has been done for you. Don't settle for fine. Raise up. Make the gospel the epicenter of your life, the good news that Jesus gave himself up for us. Make it the center of your life. And it's kind of hard then to settle for just doing all right at work. You raise up and do the good work. I don't mean that you're going to bust sails out of, the, out of the water next week. What I mean is that in your place of work, God can use you to raise up God's goodness and God's kingdom there because you're not settling for fine. You start seeing people do some things that are a little bit unethical. You stop settling for fine and you start to raise up in the power that's already in you. The power that is already in you. You don't settle for fine in your career if you're not in the right place living out your purpose. You stop doing that. You raise up. We don't settle anymore. That's what God has asked us to do. The biggest enemy. The biggest enemy against you right now is probably your mind and the noise and all the stuff in the world that tells you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not powerful enough, you're not outgoing enough, you're not whatever enough. That will cause you to settle for fine. And Paul's dying words to Timothy was stop settling for fine. Don't settle for fine anymore. And if we really think about it, our mind is connected to our heart. Our mind is connected to our heart. What's your heart longing after today? Is your heart longing after the risen Christ? who gives power to us and to the whole world to offer something completely new and completely different? What's your heart centered on? This week I had a coach ask me that exact question. How are things going? And I said, fine. After I had watched the clip, don't settle for fine, I was still saying, it, everything's fine. And he said, why? Why are you settling for fine? And it's because the epicenter of my heart was not on the gospel of Jesus, who raised again. I began to think, think that that medical diagnosis that my friend got, that it had more power than God's ability to work goodness. I don't mean heal it or poof, make it magically perfect. But I mean, we don't have to keep settling for that fine medical diagnosis and just sort of waiting it out. We can figure out right now how to raise up and be a community around them so that they may know of the goodness of God because they've never known about it in this way before. This summer doesn't have to be a time where we just settle and hang out at a, a church spot that we're borrowing for 10, 12 weeks. This can be a time where God uses the people in this seat to raise up a new community to do church in a way it's never been done before. God doesn't have you here on accident. You have a heart for doing church different because you are longing for community and you are longing for purpose and you found it here. Let's go tell other people about it and figure out how to connect them to this. And let's do that today. Stop settling for fine. 
Our friendships, they're fine. It's fine if I send a text message to my friend. It's fine if I don't. No, stop settling for fine. Send the text message. Make the phone call. Take the step. You have the power of the risen Christ in you. It is time we stop settling for fine and we raise up in the power of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue to look at the ways that God asks us to stop settling in our lives as we continue to look at this. But the very first thing you have to do is step into the promise. Make the epicenter of your life Jesus and the gospel of his good news. That's the first thing we have to do. Let's do that this morning. Don't settle for fine. Settle. Lean into and be loved by a God who embraces you as you are and who did not settle for fine for you. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you didn't settle for fine for us. We thank you, God, that through the power of Jesus, you rose up something new and something different. And we pray right now over the people in this room who right now are wrestling with God, am I, am I really ready to stop settling for fine? Now is the time, God. Help them, give them courage and boldness and grace to stop settling for fine and to take bold and courageous steps into what it is you're doing in their lives for their purpose, God. I pray that you will raise up these people, that they may stop settling for a world that's ready, a world that's ready for these people in this room to be unleashed with the power of your goodness to stop settling. Amen.